I had heard that the best investment, and, and keep in mind, the mentors around me at this time were very conventional in their investment thesis. And so I just learned that Roth IRAs were the greatest thing and I should get a Roth. And so I invested in a Roth and I put a little bit of money away uh, every month to max out that Roth for the year. And I did that for a while until I learned that there were some better strategies. Welcome, trust builders. I'm Sue Dyer, and this is Lead with Trust where we explore how leaders can build their business on a foundation of trust and reap the rewards of becoming the top performer in their market. Leaders that understand how to use and leverage trust are uniquely positioned to disrupt their industry and dominate their market. Distrust of businesses and business leaders is at an all-time high. Trusted businesses must have trusted leaders and your team your customers, and your vendors are waiting for you to step up and elevate the level of trust in your business. My hope is that this podcast can help you start your trusted leader journey. Hey, trusted leaders, welcome to this episode of Lead with Trust. And today I'm very excited to have Justin Donald here with us. I listen to his podcast every week, which is Lifestyle Investor. I think you will love it. I think you're going to love this episode. For all of us who have been entrepreneurs and created money from our business and continue to seek to create money, we need someplace to invest that and a philosophy for investing it. And I think that's exactly what Justin offers to us is a way to create your dream lifestyle through investing. And he has so much to offer. And I just loved learning about his journey to how he came upon all of this. And I think you'll enjoy it too. So let us listen in right now. Okay, there we are. Welcome, Justin Donald, to Lead with Trust. I am extremely excited to have you here. I have your book right here. The the, uh, Lifestyle Investor book is a Wall Street Journal bestselling book and filled with great ideas for everyone. And all of us out there want to be able to make more money with what we've got. So Justin is the guy. Well, thanks, Sue. It's great to be on. And, uh, you know, it's it's so fun getting a chance just to, you know, dive into topics that um, are really interesting or that we want to get better at or that someone has a different expertise in as I've been able to do with you. So thank you. Thank you. It was so fun being on your podcast. I just loved it. And you're so good at what you do. I ask everybody this crazy question, like, what group did you hang out with in high school? You know, I um, I played a lot of sports. And so, you know, I, part of my group was some of the athletes, but then I also really enjoyed some of my academics. And so this might sound funny, but I mean, I always loved math. And so uh, any type of like math group, I, I was also pretty interested in. So, I mean, even as early as middle school, I was competing in some of the the math challenges. I, I mean, I would say I was probably at the lower tier of everyone in that group, but 
I still loved it. I loved the thrill of, you know, figuring out how, how competent I was in something that I thought was really fun and kind of like a game. That is so interesting. I, I find so many people uh, in high school where we hang out, what we do sort of does set us up or maybe it just un- unveils who we are uh, so that, you, you know, you have this, I think you still have this athletic component and you have this kind of math understanding. You have an understanding. Uh, I think that about money sometimes. I People will go, man, you know, these people are just struggling with money. And I, I think sometimes they just conceptually don't understand money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really think that's exactly what it is. I think most people, you know, I say this in the politest but truest sense of the word. Most people are just ignorant. They don't have an education around it. So I, I use that word, you know, in, in the way that it was designed, where the, the education is absent. Yeah, I, I agree. And sometimes it's just a big old blind spot, too, in people's heads. So I know you are on a mission to show entrepreneurs and executives, you know, hardworking folks, how to create a lifestyle of, of freedom. And so, you know, how do we get that? Well, it's a great question. I wish more people would ask that and intentionally pursue it because I do think that's the the key question. You know, I talk a lot about, you know, the the things you can invest in to create this lifestyle, but at the end of the day, it's it's about finding that freedom. Like that's the bigger question than what are the investments? It's actually gaining clarity on what a, you know, what does an ideal lifestyle look like for you? And for each person, it's a little bit different. And so Having that clarity, I think, kind of changes the game for everyone. My experience has been that most people are a slave to something. They're a slave to the job that they have or the business that they've started or the security they have in you know, having a routine that is safe and comfortable or just the known that there's, they're you know, handcuffed to having knowledge of what it is versus going into the great unknown. And so I think when we can break those chains and and really get to a point where we say, you know what, I really want to intentionally pursue something that buys my time back. For me, it was buying assets that produce income. That, that was how I solved that question. There are other ways to solve that question, but that one solved the question via the means of, of money, right? It, it helped me to be able to literally buy my time back because I could buy assets that produced income that covered the income that I was making, or it covered the expenses that I'm continually spending on a monthly basis. And so that is the answer to me. It's interesting when you're talking about that, a dear friend of mine, who's a Catholic priest used to always tell me there are no contented slaves. Yeah. You know, anybody who's a slave to something is probably not very contented. Yeah. And a lot of people, by the way, are just a slave to their lifestyle. They've become accustomed to a certain lifestyle. They become accustomed to a certain means. Uh, They have to work oftentimes really hard to have that. And they're not willing to go backwards. And so then a lot of people are kind of hamstrung that way. And I see this a lot with entrepreneurs where they leave a corporate job to start their own business for freedom and autonomy, except that that business begins to own them. And they become a slave to their own business, to this, you know, monstrosity that literally isn't scaling without them. 
uh, and it needs too much of them. And, and often they don't figure out the way to remove themselves from the business for it to really flourish the way that it, it could, that it ultimately needs to, if you really want scale. Yeah. You and I've talked about this, but to me, when, for me, when I did that, it was, it was hard. Uh, it was, it was like, feeling like you're being drugged through a knothole. Honestly, it was, it's just not. And on the other side, you real you can see how you were undermining yourself by your own mindset, but you, you can't see it when you're in it. It's really, it's a hard thing to do. Probably need help. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. In the moment, it's always tougher. You know, it's, it's the whole thing of, you know, when you're dating someone you shouldn't be dating and all your friends know it and you don't. I mean, that's really what the world of entrepreneurship is like. It's what the world of corporate America is like. Often people don't even realize how bad the job is or how much they're complaining about it until people point it out because it just becomes normal. It just becomes what it is and it becomes a routine. And it's almost easier to just know what it is that you already know than to embark on what you don't know. I, I agree completely. And then sometimes on top of that, you don't even know what to do. That's right. You know, for anyone that has kids, the the problem with that is you're ultimately teaching something that you probably don't want to teach through your actions, which is I'm just going to show up that I'm afraid to change or do something different, or I'm scared to explore other options, or this is good enough. And it's all these lessons. I don't even think we want our kids to to have. We wouldn't verbally teach this, but this is what they see in our behavior and our demeanor and our mindset. And I just love what you're talking about because uh, in my work, I always say fear and trust cannot coexist. Mm. So you have to drive out the fear to in order to have trust. And, and so in your work, as you work with entrepreneurs and in your own work where you've developed your own wealth, uh, what part does trust play in that? Well, there's a lot of trust that that goes into it. I mean, I think first and foremost, you have to trust yourself and trust and, and you know that there's it's kind of cliche to say that, but what I mean by it is trust yourself to actually be able to create the plan that you know what you want out of life. Uh, nine out of ten times when I ask someone, hey, what does the ideal life look like to you? Like if everything, if money were taken care of, what would life look like? Nine out of ten times people would say, Well, I can tell you what it doesn't look like. I think most people have no clarity on what they actually want. And so when I say trust yourself, I just mean like trust yourself to like give yourself the time and the space to actually create a compelling vision of the future. What do you really want? And then from there, you can kind of build. Um, but beyond that, I think you need to find people that you can trust uh, as mentors, as peers, people that are playing the game of business or life or investing at a higher level. You need to have trust with sponsors and people syndicating deals. Anyone who's putting a deal together, there needs to be some trust there. So in the world that I live in, trust is so big. And when I have a trusted relationship, uh, I would rather double down there than go to a new relationship that I haven't had a decade of time vetting. And so trust goes a long way for me. Yeah, it really reminds me of in, in my book, The Trusted Leader, it talks about a trust hierarchy. And the top of it is trusting yourself. The yeah. second part is trusting interpersonal relationships, which is what you're just talking about before you can create a trusted team or and then a trusted business. So it, it sounds like you know, you've got it exactly right, in my opinion. 
<laughs> well, I'm glad we're on the same page, you know, and, and by the way, I figured mine out by trial and error. So I, I hope other people can learn by just listening to us as opposed to like going through working with partners that are not trustworthy, but not doing a good job of vetting that and having deals not go well because you didn't know how to establish that trust or vet the, the level of trust or scrutinize the way that you need to scrutinize. So if somebody wanted to create a dream lifestyle and, you know, how would they go about doing that? What, is there some steps they can go through? Yeah, I mean, it's actually really easy to figure out what it is that you want if you can create the space to not be bombarded, right? As long as we're kind of riding along, uh, we're going to our job, going to work, going to pick up the, the kids, going to whatever the thing is. We're on autopilot and stuff's just happening to us and we're responding to it. So I think if we can just kind of carve out time, turn some electronics off so we can interrupt our interruptions and really get clear, then we can figure out, well, hey, what does it look like? Because the lifestyle you want is probably a lot less expensive than you think that it is. You know, when you look at what does something cost over the course of the year, that's a lot bigger of a number than if you break it down on a monthly basis and say, well, you know, to, to have this home you know, on a a 30 year mortgage, it's only blank per month uh, versus, you know, shelling out millions of dollars in, in, you know, dollars today, I guess. So, I mean, everything you can finance to some degree and it's whatever it costs for an incredible lifestyle. When you do it on a monthly basis, you'll see how realistic it is. And then you can figure out how to make money on a monthly basis. This can be in your business, in your job, uh, finding a side hustle. And it's just kind of chipping away at that number. And I always start first with what does it cost just to survive? Figure out that monthly income number. And then you can go to your current lifestyle. And then you can go to your ideal lifestyle. And then start buying assets that produce income that chips away at it. So you don't have to, in one fail swoop, Sue, be able to cover everything, your whole lifestyle, one investment. That just, that doesn't happen. But you can buy an investment that covers your car payment and buy another investment that covers the utilities uh, that you use every month. And then another investment that covers maybe the mortgage or the property tax first. And then the next one covers the mortgage. And it just adds up over time. And so you can kind of chip away at it. I love that idea. So tell everyone a little bit about what kind of investments would we buy to do that? Well, there's all kinds, you know, any, anyone who says that this is the way to invest. Um, I just, I don't think there's one way to skin a cat. I think that in some instances, people have expertise in an area and it might make sense to invest inside that expertise. In other cases, people know successful investors uh, or business owners, and it might make sense to invest there or to lean on them for guidance. Uh, for me, I got started with real estate, and that was a really good play for me because I knew some other people that were doing it. I felt like I could copy, or if I didn't get the results I was wanting, I, I had someone to ask questions of. And I also liked it because I knew the likelihood of my investment going to zero was virtually non-existent. You know, in the worst case scenario, you know, if everything crashed, I still got some value. Or if a home burns down to the ground, you've got insurance, right? So it's hard for it to go to zero, but I've seen stocks go to zero. I've seen other investments go to zero. So real estate to me was a great first way to start. 
But from there, I've learned about other investments and I've you know, figured out a way to invest in companies that make sense, especially in inside of core competencies that I have or inside of core competencies that close friends, mentors, uh, relatives have. Uh, I've invested in senior secured debt, which just basically means that I'm at the top of the totem pole in the event that something goes wrong or everything goes right. I'm just the first person to be paid back and my position is collateralized. I've got an asset backing it. And so there are a lot of ways that you can structure an investment where if everything goes wrong, you don't lose any money, but it'll most likely go fine. It probably won't go perfect. It won't go like, it won't be a home run like the pro forma might say that it's going to be, but it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle there. And so I just want to make sure that I'm setting things up so I'm not losing money, but I can get a pretty decent return too. And it doesn't have to be the biggest return. I just, I like singles and doubles. I don't need home runs. I love the idea of having like a cash flow for the individual things in your, in your life that you need to pay for. I think that's, that seems very bite-sized, you know, you can, I can take that and do something with it. How much money does someone need in order to kind of get started at something like this? Well, I think the first and most important thing is to just get in the, the discipline or the routine of investing something with each paycheck that someone gets. So for me, when I started, when I was 18, um, I, wasn't necessarily making a ton of money. I certainly wasn't making anything close to what I make today. But what I did is I created a habit where I would just always put some money aside. Uh, and you know, some of that money would go to whether it be tithing, some of that money would go towards saving, some of that money would be invested, and some of it I would just spend on whatever it might be, you know, cool clothes at that time. I used to always want to make sure that I was wearing cool stuff. And so, you know, Early on, I mean, it, I mean, I, I started working when I was in seventh grade, and I started setting money aside basically with my first paycheck that I ever had. I mean, even in high school, I worked pretty hard, and I was always uh, saving money. I mean, I, I started my first investment, even though my parents didn't really do much investing. I still started my first investment when I was eighteen years old. And what was and that? I, I got to know what was that. My well, I had heard that the best investment. And, and keep in mind, the mentors around me at this time were very conventional in their investment thesis. And so I just learned that Roth IRAs were the greatest thing and I should get a Roth. And so I invested in a Roth and I put a little bit of money away uh, every month to max out that Roth for the year. And I did that for a while until I learned that there were some better strategies. And by the way, I still think a Roth is a great strategy. I think most qualified plans are not you know, and most of them, you're just deferring taxes. So you're going to pay them at some point. And mm -hmm. when you do pay them, it's likely going to be at a higher yeah. tax rate. Yeah. 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 And, and you just have, you know, less deductions down the road as well. You don't have dependents, you don't have mortgage interest, you don't have uh, business income, you know, whenever you go to retire, you lose your greatest deduction. So to me, I don't want to defer, especially if we're in a low tax environment, I'd rather just pay today and, you know, grow it in some sort of a tax-free vacuum. That makes the most sense to me. So investing at 18, that sounds that sounds great. I know I'm trying to teach my my grandchildren to do that too by investing every month uh, on their behalf so they learn to do that because just a little bit invested when you're young grows to be quite substantial. 
And then you've got some cash to do these other things you're talking about, right? That's right. That's right. So when I say that the dollars uh, at the beginning, they don't matter. It really is a discipline because the older you get, the more money you're going to make. I mean, I mean, first of all, based on inflation. Secondly, most contracts are going to have some sort of an incremental step up or increase in salary. You know, if you have a business, you're likely going to grow it each year, even if it's just a little bit. But maybe you don't every year, but over the course of 10 years, you do. So over time, you're just going to make more money. So if you have discipline, the habit of setting money aside to invest, the more money you make, the more you're going to be able to invest. And so even if someone doesn't have a lot today, just go through the motions of doing that. There are platforms out there where you can invest small amounts in real estate. There are platforms out there where you can be a senior secured loan to someone on something. I mean, there's just tons of options, even at a smaller amount. And then maybe when you have a bigger amount, you can actually own the real estate versus a piece of it. You can own the deed outright. That's so exciting. Hi, this is Sue. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I'm so excited that my new book, The Trusted Leader, is about to launch. And if it's after February 1st, 2022, then it's already out there. And so I'm so excited because for years, I've been asked to help leaders to create a high trust environment. We have worked for 35 years to go in and help leaders uh, through intervening and facilitating the development of high trust teams and businesses. And now I'm teaching leaders how to do this for yourself. And trust is so important because it's really like having your foot on the gas of your business. And in so many businesses, people are working so hard, but their foot is on the brake as well. And so you expend a lot of time, energy, resources, and you just can't get where you should or could get. And so I hope you will go and get the book now and start your trusted leader journey. You can go to www.sudico.com slash book, and you can get the book there and you can pre-order the book there, or you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or anywhere that you get your books. But I hope you'll go and get it and start reading it. I can't wait to get your feedback and to be on a trusted leader journey with you. Let's get back to the show. So I want to back up a little bit and go talk a little bit about your journey to figuring this all out and to deciding to write a book because I don't think you had to write a book, but you decided to. So tell me about that journey. Yeah. So my book was, you know, we could call it a labor of love. I mean, I, I had one of the things that's really important to me is. Uh, creating a dreams list. And I add to my dreams list. I made my first dreams list back in 2008, October of 2008. I listened to a talk by Matthew Kelly and he had just released this book called The Dream Manager. And and one of my other friends, uh, Dane Espergaard, just released a book called The Dream Machine, which is kind of taking that whole idea to uh, just the next level. And it's this idea of having a dreams list and then just constantly adding to it, but always you know finding a way to cross them off. So on my list, I knew I wanted to write a book. At that time, I didn't know what it was about. Uh, and over the years, I've had many people say, Justin, you got to write a book on what you're doing, on the investment you know, thesis, on like just how you're building your wealth. People need to know it. And I kind of just kicked the can down the road for a while. 
part of me is like, yeah, maybe someday I will. And part of me is like, I don't know. Am I, you know, do people even care what I have to say? But one of my good friends said, um, Justin, I'll never forget this. He said, Justin, I've been asking you for a while when you're going to write a book because people need to know this. So I'm just going to ask you a different way. He goes, what if you died and your daughter never learned any of these strategies to investing? And I was like, wow, that one, you know, kind of hit hard and hit home. And so the next day I started writing the book. And so my book, first and foremost, was the motivation was for my daughter. And the first outline was, you know, a very generic outline that I felt like she could follow. It was something simple. It was 10 keys, my 10 criteria. But as I continued adding in, it kind of morphed. And as I added some of the experience that I had coaching my private clients and uh, with people in my investment groups, my investment clubs, my mastermind, it really started to kind of get colored in a lot more. And I just had no idea that the demand for this type of education was going to be so great. I mean, this thing took off and, you know, the lifestyle investor was kind of born and uh, it ended up becoming a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller and USA Today bestseller and kind of has a mind of its own. So I'm very uh, humbled and flattered with the success of the book. And uh, quick shout out uh, to an organization that I love. Their name is Love Justice International, and all the proceeds from my book go to supporting Love Justice International, uh, which is a foundation dedicated to um, basically stop sex slavery and human trafficking. So it's just an incredible group in 22 countries around the world doing great work. And it's a way that I can support human life freedom with the dollars that the book creates, but then I can help people with their financial freedom with the education. Well, first, just congratulations on your best-selling book. And I do think that there's a tremendous need for it, particularly with this big wave of entrepreneurship that's uh, emerging, continuing to emerge. And people are hopefully gonna use their dollars to build a lifestyle for themselves through building some wealth. And kudos too for, for giving back because I'm a big believer in that. You know, I probably do more of that than than uh than my husband would like, but I'm a big believer in supporting uh the causes that support what you believe in. And yeah, we gotta do that. I know on the um the test, the trust uh barometer that's created by Edelman every year. Uh, this year was the first year that the trust in government, particularly in the United States, uh, was lower than the trust in business. And it went on to say that they believe that the government can't fix the things. They believe leaders will have to do it. Business leaders will have to do it. So all the entrepreneurs that are up and coming, they're, they're like the future. They really are. And so the more that they can be solid, I think that'll be phenomenal. And those concepts, can you imagine if government ran that way? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that the way, the, the, what is going to solve our problems is not more government. What is going to solve our problems is more business. Businesses that find a way that have a motivation to solve the problem. Businesses that, you know, have great leaders and thinkers and 
not just ideas, but people to carry out the idea. There, there's just no doubt that the vast majority of solutions are going to come from, you know, just entrepreneurship in general, capitalism. Well, I just love business. I mean, some people, people ask me, what's your hobby? And I say, well, it's business. I just love business. I think it's one of the most, if maybe not the most creative force in the world. It just, you know, people think things up and then they create it and they create value and then it creates economic, it's an economic engine. I I just think it's phenomenal. I love business. So I want to talk a little bit about your lessons learned. I mean, it it wasn't just from here to there. What, What kind of happened along the way? What are some lessons you've learned that might be helpful for all of us to to know so we don't we have a shorter learning curve. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, Sue. Um, there are a lot of lessons to be learned. I mean, the the first lesson is you might as well go out on a limb and try it because maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but you'll probably always wonder if you don't try it. For me, most of my stuff has worked. Not all of it has, but most of it has. And if I hadn't gone out on the limb to try it and get out of the comfort of you know the security I had or what everyone else was doing. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I think that's definitely a lesson learned. Another one is to kind of walk to the beat of my own drum. I learned early on that the majority of people just are not, they're not educated financially. So when they decide to do something, I probably need to go the direction of the minority. And that has served me very well also. You know, I have steered away from conventional investing most of my life uh, ever since I, you know, had a pretty negative experience with the manipulation of the financial institutions, the, you know, just the, the way that the current system's built. Uh, and so just getting into a place where I could choose to do things different, you know, kind of go against the majority, that was, you know, that, that served me very well. Um, additionally, I have totally had business uh, relationships that, were amazing, but I've had some that didn't go so well. We've had, you know, with some of my business partnerships, they fizzled out and uh, maybe we were on just two different pages. And uh, it's interesting looking at that and maybe how could we have prevented that or maybe setting up a structure a little better that, hey, in the future, in the case that we're not in alignment, here's how we can proceed. And so just thinking through some of that, I think, you know, those are huge lessons learned because all the relationships, all the business partnerships I've had since I had, you know, one less than exciting experience have all been really great. But all of them I'm appreciative for because I learned something even in the negative energy that one of them particularly created. Uh, And then last but not least is that I've learned that people are just going to lose money. Even as a professional investor, everyone at some point is going to lose money. You're going to make a bad investment. But what's the lesson to learn from it so that you don't keep repeating that and so that you become a smarter investor? And um, probably the greatest lesson is just surrounding myself with those that uh, are playing the game of life the way that I want to. If I want to be in better shape from a health standpoint, I need to be hanging out with people that are very healthy. If I want to be you know, healthy from a financial standpoint, I need to be hanging out with people that are very financially healthy. And so that has served me very well in being intentional with who I surround myself with. I think that's such a good lesson for all of us. You know, We are who we hang out with. 
And, uh, you know, so what are, you know, are you upping your game there or is it congruent with what it is you want to try to achieve? I think that's a good question for all of us every day. I also loved what you were talking about, how you go against the norm in investing. You know, the, you went with the, uh, the abnormal side. No. <laughs> so so how, how did you get there and what is, what is that? Well, it was interesting because early in my career, there were a few investment decisions that I was making where the vast majority of people were saying, no, don't do that. That's crazy. And I ended up doing it and it worked out really well. And I looked at like the large percentage of people that were saying no, but then I looked at the percentage of the very successful people I knew that said yes. So it was very few people saying yes and a whole bunch of people saying no. And I just had to make that decision. I mean, one of them with was with getting you know, my very first uh, dividend paying whole life policy. And at this point in time, I was single, I wasn't dating anyone. So I clearly wasn't close to getting married. I didn't have any kids. I mean, I was as single as you could be. But, um, and I had all my mentors that, uh, or the vast majority of my mentors saying, no, this is a horrible investment. But I looked at, you know, one or two of my wealthy friends, they're like, oh, this is a no brainer. You, you should do it now. You should do it as early as you can. And um, I agree, most policies out there are not great. You need a specialist that can craft you a great policy. But I'm so glad I did that, you know, 15 years ago, because actually more than 15 years ago, because that has uh, been the source of my capital for virtually every investment I've ever done, where it's kind of like my own bank that I get to borrow against. Um, so that that's one specific uh, area. And then the other one was in investing in mobile home parks. So the first thing that uh, I was going to do, I was going to invest in uh, apartment complexes. But I, I, at that time, I thought you had to have the money. I was very deceived in thinking that uh, if you have a good deal, you, you just have to have the money to do it. Today, I recognize finding the money is the easiest part of it. Back then, I thought it was the hardest part. Because the reality is, if you have a good deal, the money will show up. Like, if it's a good deal, someone will invest in it, and probably a lot of someone's. And so I let that hold me back. And I was trying to get into apartments. And then I was like, maybe I'll do single family homes. And then I had a friend start investing in mobile home parks. And I thought it sounded crazy at first, but I saw how well he did. And I thought, you know what? If he can do it, so can I. And I'll just copy him. And maybe I'm only 70% as good. But 70% as good is a lot better than me not being in it. And so uh, my friends all thought I was crazy. I mean, literally every one of my friends said, don't do it. Uh, my mentors at the time said, don't do it, except for my one friend that was doing it. He's like, you should totally do it. It's amazing. And so I just, again, took the road less traveled because the person and the people that I wanted to be like, even though they were in the minority, uh, were doing it that way when the vast majority was saying, no way, that's crazy, run. I think that's a great story. I know I've heard your story like in your book and on your podcast about how you in two years, you were able to create enough wealth that you could quit your job. So tell us that story. Yeah, and so this really gets to the mobile home parks because I remember when I was going to invest in my first park, I was I was nervous. I was like, "Oh man, is this a is this a good move? Is am I being really dumb with my money?" Uh, I remember I had some you know sleepless nights because I was so worried I was going to just you know let this money go to waste. But at the end of the day, I just rationalize: if someone else can do it, I can too. Maybe not as well, but at least 
you know, if I got a blueprint that they followed, I can at least be close to as good. And so I made the decision to do it. And the first park that I bought uh, produced enough income that it covered my wife's teaching salary. And, uh, and so she was able to step away from, from teaching, which was great because that job, though she's a great teacher, it really kind of tied us up for flexibility. You know, she would have summers off, but at that point in time, summers were my busiest season in the business that I had then. And then during the school year, I mean, she had to work every day. And so it made it really hard for us to travel. So uh, we had small little windows, but I wanted to travel all the time. And so this was great because she could step away. We could travel whenever. It just created flexibility and freedom in our life. And then the second park that I bought covered our bare minimum expenses. So we had everything. We had our mortgage covered, our utilities, our car payments, our groceries. Everything was covered. It wasn't quite our lifestyle. So it's not that didn't include like vacations and eating out, but it covered everything to survive. So I knew if my you know, if I lost my job or my business imploded, we would be fine. And that was a huge weight off of my shoulders. And, and how then, long did it take you to buy the first one and the second one? So I started looking, uh, I basically started looking about six months prior to when I closed on that property. Um, so, you know, once I set my mind to it, it happened pretty fast. And then the next one was uh, real quick. It, well, what ended up happening is it ended up becoming like a back-to-back transaction with the same seller. So that was a, a real nice situation. And then the next property we bought covered our lifestyle income. And then uh, that was cool because then we could, you know, not skip a beat. We could live life as we were and we just knew everything was covered. And then from there, everything else that, you know, we ever bought was surplus income that could either go towards enhancing our lifestyle, or it could go towards making other investments that could create more, you know, cash flow uh, in the future. I think that's so awesome. Congratulations on that. I think that's just Thanks. great. I do think that a lot of people have a lot of fear around investing. Uh, they don't, they don't know. It's confusing. Like you said, some people, if people say no, people say yes. And so how does a person make a decision to, to move forward? How do, how do they get advice on what to invest in when there's so much rigor, you know, there's just so much talk about it that, and they're the opposites. Yeah. I think you have to be careful with investing. And, you know, in the last 10 years, everyone has been a genius because almost everything has worked out. I mean, if you lost money in the last 10 years, you have to be really bad at what you're doing or just like super unlucky. It has been hard to lose money um, with all the dollars that are being pumped into our system. So just because someone's done well the last 10 years doesn't mean they're good at it. You really have to look you know, a decade before that, maybe even two decades before that. So when I am looking at finding, I mean, the key is you find people that have a track record that can either teach you how to do it or that can become a peer that you, you know, invest or learn with. So either a coach, mentor, or a peer. And hopefully the peer is someone that is pulling you up, not pulling you down. And so I just think you got to be intentional with who those relationships are. And you want to do your homework and learn how to actually uh, vet a deal, find the deals other people, other smart investors are investing in, find out why they're investing in them, find out what the track record is. Have they been successful for more than 10 years? That That's really important to me. 
you know, the, the season that I was in when I was investing, I, I started getting into alternative investments about 15 years ago. So I've been investing for about 22, 23 years. And, and there are ebbs and flows of just, you know, different, different economies, different patterns, uh, different industries that were on the uptick. Uh, and, and it's been different, you know, 15 years ago is different than today. And so I think it's important to make sure that you've got a depth of experience with whoever you're going to work with, that they've actually seen business and they've seen investing through a downturn. And how did they do? And hopefully they did lose money at some point and you can figure out what they learned from it. I actually am cautious around people that never lose money because I just think that that's not realistic. It makes my you know antennas go up. Either you haven't been in it long enough or you're not telling me something because everyone loses at some point. Yeah, absolutely. It's, oh, as we always say in our household, on paper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so tell me a little bit about, um, I know that as a result of the book, you now have a lot of people coming to you, asking you to help them. So tell me about what you're, what you're kind of offering to help people and how does that work? Well, we've got a bunch of different programs. And by the way, for anyone in your audience that wants uh, a free copy of the book, uh, they just have to pay for shipping. They can go to lifestyleinvestorbook.com. Um, but for any of our other programs and products, go to justindonald.com. And we've got a, a whole lineup of different things. I've got an online course. I've, of course, got my podcast. Uh, which, you know, that one has really taken off. We're in the top 1% of all podcasts now uh, for downloads, which is really cool. We've got, uh, you know, a, a passive income masterclass. We just rolled out a mobile home park investing masterclass. We've got an online course. We've got a mastermind. That's uh, definitely for, um, you know, people that have more disposable income. Uh, or maybe access to maybe they've had a, a an exit or they've got a large cash flowing business or or something like that because there is uh, more of a price point and threshold and background that someone would have to pass through the application process. Um, so it's that one's not a fit for everyone, but the master classes are and and the online courses for sure. That's so exciting. So see everyone out there, you can lead your business with trust, create more income and invest it in things that will create the dream lifestyle that you want for you and your family. So thank you so much, Justin. How can people get a hold of you? I know you just gave us a couple of things. Is there any other things that where people can get a hold of you? Yeah, you can look me up on social media. Um, probably the best place though is to just go to justindonald.com and you know, there's a contact form. You can sign up for anything that's there. Uh, if you are looking to do, you know, the the mastermind, there is an application process uh, and and a bit of a wait list. So, um, but everything else is a little bit more on demand. And I've got a blog that's totally free as well. Perfect. So exciting. I'm so excited that you're doing this work because I think there's so many people out there working really hard and really not knowing what to do with their money. Well, thanks for having me on, Sue. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, I just love to teach people the things that I've learned and hopefully they can do it faster and uh, with less mistakes. Well, I don't think that's possible, but, you know, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you so much, Justin, for being here and uh, blessings to you and your family. And thanks for uh, sharing all your wealth of knowledge. Thanks, Sue. Great to be here. Take care. 
Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust and that wherever you're listening to this podcast, you will subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, send it to someone who you think can really use this message that you got today. And also, please leave us a review. You know, your honest review wherever you listen to your podcasts would be much appreciated. And of course, the more reviews we get, the better they are, the better for the podcast. I'm truly on a mission to get more and more people to understand that trust is the essential element. So I hope you'll be part of that. You know, this show really exists to help you leaders to build your business on a foundation of trust so that you can reap the rewards of becoming that top performer in your market. I see over and over where no one can possibly reach the levels of those people that understand how to build a high trust culture in their business. Now today, if you're really curious about starting your trusted leader journey, you can get started right away if you just take the free trusted leader profile and you can learn where you fall along the trusted leader continuum. And this really can unlock your confidence on where you are and what you need to do. It's very specific on what you can do. Gives you a snapshot of your leadership style. So if you want to take that, just go to www.sudyco.com and then forward slash profile, and you will get immediate access to the trusted leader profile. Once again, that is www.sudyco.com forward slash profile. All right, that's a wrap. I just can't wait to hang out with you again on our next episode.